0: Good afternoon, everyone. Let me start this again. Sometimes the internet is not as good as we think. Uh, I'd like to introduce our next uh, guest uh, about cryptocurrency and cybersecurity. Very, very important subjects. Mr. Paul Rosenberg is a founder of Crypto Hippie and CEO of Crypto hippie USA, the sales branch of the Crypto Hippie Suites of Companies. Paul is also the author of the Freeman's Perspective monthly newsletter, and a lifestyle capitalist with a broad range of interests and experience. His diverse uh, interest base is reflected in his extensive repertoire of published titles, including A Lodging of Wayfaring Men, The Words of the Founders, and Production Versus Plunder, not to mention 55 engineering and construction books. Please welcome Mr. Paul Rosenberg.
1: Thank you very much, glad to be here. Um, I presume everybody can see and hear me well enough. If not, uh, somebody let me know, but if, if everyone's okay, I will proceed. Uh, let me begin with talking about what we're gonna say today. I'm gonna talk about cryptocurrency first and then cybersecurity and then tie it all back together. What I really want you to do What I really want to get across is I want you to really understand what cryptocurrency is. I'm not gonna give you the technical explanations. I'm not gonna go through all of the details and all of the the things you usually hear. I want you to get this thing kind of into your guts so you understand it. Um, So let's go to the first slide. And the thing to understand here is that Bitcoin is not a Wall Street thing. It is not a stock, it is not a bond, it is not a company, it is not any of those things. And when people try to describe it as though it were, they're always gonna make errors. There's always gonna be mistakes because it's not any of those things, it's something new. So it's really important to understand that first. This came from cypherpunks. Cypherpunks were a bunch of essentially smart, young uh, lads and lasses in the late 80s, 80s, early 90s, and so on, who um, discovered cryptography, and that realized the strength of cryptography and what it made possible. And then just said, we have to do this, we have, we have to build things with this, we have to create with this, this is too important. So that's where it came from, not from any normal sort of financial system. Let's go to the next slide. Just so you understand, I want you to understand um, who these people were. And uh, I was in and around with this group uh, from the middle 90s at some point. So I'm going to tell you what they generally tended to be. Of course, there were exceptions and some who were better, some who were worse and so on. But in Essentially, these people had a non hostile view of life. And they more than that, they expected to do excellent things. Uh, A lot of us were young. We didn't know what those things would be, but we knew we wanted to do something that was really good. Uh, These people basically believed in honesty and fair dealing. If you didn't, then you were ostracized and criticized at great length. Um, They didn't respect power and prestige. Uh, they believed in reason and evidence. They were essentially engineering types. So some were some were uh, mathematicians, some were more into economics. Uh, we had all kinds, we had lawyers, we had all types. But there was more of an engineering sort of mindset, reason, evidence, fact. Um, most of us had grown up being educated by NASA and the hippies. And what I mean by that is this, Uh, for those of you who are old enough to remember, uh, you'll remember this, Uh, the 1960s were an exceptional moment for a young uh, and all scientifically minded person. We had rockets going up every week, every couple of weeks with many of them with astronauts in them going into space walking in space, um, sending probes to the moon. It was incredibly exciting. Uh, It was just wonderful. And we were uh, deeply influenced by that. And also by the hippies who were outsiders, who were people who, um, for better and worse amongst this very large group of people, uh, people who wanted to be outside of the mundane and to see something more. However well they handled it or didn't, that that basic desire was, I think, a very good thing, and it's something that really informed the cypherpunks. Essentially, these people needed a refuge for their mind, and they found it within walls of cryptography. So these are the kinds of ideas that they put into code, and these people, of course, are the people who created Bitcoin. Let's go to the next slide, please. Now, this is just one example of the type of thing that these people produced. Uh, This is a system called BitTorrent. Uh, It's the system that younger people tend to use for downloading movies and downloading music and so on. It's very, very widespread. And it is a crucial component of Bitcoin. It's what allows all the transactions to spread over the internet. And you notice in this, that Nobody has any special permissions in this, anybody on the BitTorrent network can do the same as anybody else on the BitTorrent network. Nobody gives permission, nobody allows, nobody forbids. Everyone is equal and everyone can do whatever they want on this system. This is is the kind of thing that these people produced. Um, And again, this is a major component of Bitcoin. Almost all, I should add, almost all of the major components of Bitcoin, all of them really, I think, uh, came out of cypherpunks. Um the key exchange, the uh the hashing, which is a special cryptographic operation, uh, proof of work, reusable proof of work. Uh this one here, BitTorrent, and, and others, they all came right out of the cypherpunks. You can I watched the development of these things take place one after another after another until someone I don't know who, at the end spit out Bitcoin. So uh, let's move on to the next. What we have here, I'm going to be very brief on this, I don't want to overwhelm you with this stuff, but I want you to again, to get get this in your gut. Uh, Bitcoin is censorship resistant. It's like BitTorrent no one can has any special privileges of, of and above anyone else. Um, you can do whatever you want in the network, the same as your neighbor can do whatever he or she wants on the network. You want to start mining Bitcoin, which you've probably heard that word. We won't go through it today. You can do it. There's no one to get permission from. All you got to do is get an appropriate computer and set it up and turn it on. Anyone can do any part of this. There is no censorship, there is no control. And for you, it means your money is controlled by you. You can send money, receive money anytime you want. No one has to give you permission, ever. Um, the next thing is we it's important to understand that there's a limited supply of Bitcoin. Only 21 million will ever exist, and that's because of the computer program. That's built right into the program. Uh, Only 21 million will ever exist, and 18.7 million exist already. What that means is inflation can't drain away your wealth. Bitcoin is a fixed limit. They can't print up more. They can't, nobody can flick flick a switch and say, oh, we decided to change it. We're going to do more. They'd have to change tens of thousands of computers all at the same time against everyone's will. Not going to happen. Um, let's go to the next one permanence Bitcoin is a protocol. In other words, it's a computer program. It's not a business, it's not a bond, it's none of those things. It's a computer program and it's already been unleashed in the world. again, it exists in tens of thousands of computers all over the world with its complete record in tens of thousands of computers all over the world. It can't go away and it can't go bankrupt. It's only a program. And finally, there's no one who can change, die, or betray you. Bitcoin is math. That's all it is, it's mathematics. It's very nice mathematics. It has to be applied properly, of course, but it's just math. Cryptography is mathematics. It's the multiplication and division of of large special numbers. That's all it is. So let's move on to the next slide. I'll just give you, this is an image showing you the total number of Bitcoins over time. And as you look at this picture, we're a little past halfway uh, from left to right. And so you'll see that almost all the Bitcoins that ever will be created already in place. And they're just gonna come uh, in dribs and drabs the amount that they increase which again is set in the program no one has to flick a switch um they decree, they cut they get cut by half every four years uh we went through a halving as we call it about a year ago there'll be another one in three years another one four years after that and so on All that's left to create a Bitcoin is a little bit more and then just dribs and drabs over the next hundred years till it finally peters out to 0.8 decimal places, zero. So um, again, this thing has no inflation and will not have inflation. Next, this is important to me Bitcoin doesn't shackle our grandchildren. Uh, I won't go through the details on how dollars are created. It's a long, complicated process. Uh, But with every dollar that's created, debts are created as well. Right now, the national debt of the United States is $28.3 trillion, almost certainly going up to 30. uh, Probably by the end of the year. Um, a debt that's $225,000 per taxpayer. Okay. No debt is involved with creating Bitcoin. The systemic debt of Bitcoin is precisely zero. It does not shackle our grandchildren. It doesn't create obligations for people not yet born. That's why I say Bitcoin, crypto, a good cryptocurrency, is inherently a moral thing. It doesn't do anything to anybody else. The only way to transact in this thing is if you want to. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. So I find that tremendously appealing and necessary for me. Uh, We'll go to the next one. This is just a little quote from Friedrich Hayek, who's in my opinion, one of the great economists of the 20th century. And speaking uh, with a little bit of candor when he was quite elderly, He says, I don't believe we shall ever have good money again before we take the thing out of the hands of government, we can't take it violently out of their hands. What we can do is by some sly roundabout way, introduce something that they can't stop. That's what Bitcoin has done. That's what Bitcoin has become and is, is now Uh, they try. We'll talk about this more later. But you should understand that the only thing that really stands against bitcoin is fear it's just fear it's fear from authority it's fear from uh, whomever uh, on the tv and everything else it's all fear and it's to scare you away to scare people away from it because they really can't stop it they have to shut down the internet and they're not going to do that the internet is the greatest Uh, control and surveillance tool that's ever been invented. No Caesar or Pharaoh ever had anything remotely like this. So that's not going to happen. And so they really can't stop it. Well, we can talk more about that later. Let's go to the next one. Now, I want you to see what Bitcoin does in terms of exchange rate. The exchange of Bitcoin for fiat currencies is really not the most important thing about it. What matters is that it works, that it's censorship resistant, that it allows us to control our own honest money. That's really what matters, but let's face it, that the exchange rate is very, very attractive and it matters for a lot of us for very legitimate practical reasons. So what you're looking at here is a chart of what we call the stock to flow model, which is the model that Bitcoin has been following for the last 10 years or so. And what it shows is that we had a channel at about $100. And again, Bitcoin bounced radically around in that channel. We had another channel at about 1,000. We had another channel where it seemed to be going up to now about 100,000 and so on. And uh, the model for all the volatility, the model holds. And I want you to look at the left side of this graph on the y-axis. This is an exponential graph a log graph, it doesn't go up one, two, three, four, it goes up 10, 100, 1000, Every Bitcoin chart you've seen outside of the daily charts are a log scale. Because if they weren't, they'd be 10 stories tall. So to make sense out of the, the price movement of this thing, we have to use a logarithmic scale. I find that rather compelling. Now we get our fear storms every now and then, and people get terribly afraid, uh, and I understand why, but this is a logarithmic scale. It's probably worth your while to take a few gut kicks uh, to once you look at this. Now, just so you've seen it once, go to the next slide. This is a Bitcoin transaction. You don't have to remember this. It's not going to be a test i just want you to see what it looks like uh, that'll be the next slide guys the one that says a bitcoin transaction thanks so e- e- what's important here is just is two things one to see how one links to the other links to the other links to the other and the other is to see that it's all based on cryptography you'll see let's go to to the towards the top left see owner number one's public key And then at the bottom, owner number one's private key. And then they go to a signature in the next transaction. This is all cryptography. Uh, It doesn't matter if you understand what it is or not. Uh, And then they're right above that in the very middle is see a thing called a hash. That's another cryptographic operation. So it's not important you understand this, but I want you to see that all of these transactions are protected with cryptography in multiple ways. And that one links to the other and each transaction is based on the verification of the previous transaction. The system is really, really safe. Uh, when you hear, uh, you know, the, the fear stories in the news, oh no, so and so got Bitcoin got hacked. What that means is that some business that uses Bitcoin got hacked. Bitcoin itself doesn't get hacked. It's crypt, It's cryptographic tool um it's just cryptography again it's it's math and you can't hack 2 plus 2 let's go to the next slide i want you to get a little bit of this in your in your gut too to understand the strength of encryption and you know when satoshi made this thing he talked about the arms race between us and the uh, powers that be and this is what he was talking about Uh, our weapons our cryptography um it here here's what the deal is it's two to the 100th power times harder to decrypt a message than it is to encrypt it that's a gigantic number you can see it down here it's 31 digits long it's equivalent to something like the number of molecules in the solar system it's an ungodly high number you're never going to be able to guess that number and to break it not happening so this is the strength of encryption and this is the thing that back in the 1990s we saw and said oh my god we put a wall made out of this stuff around anything and we and nobody can see what we're doing no one can know what we're doing no one can tell us we can't do anything differently we have the ability to create the world over again behind walls of encryption Oh my God! And so this is what spawned the whole thing. Now let's go to the next one. I want you to see a few more things, just so you've seen them once. You don't have to remember anything. You don't have to. You don't have to understand every bit of this. This is what goes on inside a block of Bitcoin transactions. You'll hear people talk about blocks. A block is just a group of transactions. Usually, it's somewhere around two thousand. And right here, you can see the beginning part of a block, um, what these transactions look, out, look like. So much comes in, we make some change and send it back. And then so much is sent to the party you wanted to, to receive it. Uh, these long blue numbers that you see here are the addresses where the Bitcoin goes. Uh, it's not anybody's name. It's just an address. And you can create as many of them as you want for free. It's nothing. It's trivial. It's, you know, 0.0000001 cent worth of computing power. So um, this is what a block looks like. It's just a special way of listing transactions. And what it is is transactions that have been completely verified and will be part of the indelible record on the chain of Bitcoin blocks. All right, let's go to the next. This just shows you Um, I'll wait for the slide to come up. Next one, guys, one that says a chain of blocks. Thank you. Um, This is just showing that one leads to the other, leads to the other, leads to the other. And again, um, we've got hashes, we've got timestamps, we've got a nonce, which is a special mathematic trick to make all of this work. Uh, But it's just one set of cryptographic operations leading to the other. And the Bitcoin network pops these out about once every 10 minutes, each of them filled with roughly 2000 transactions. And again, it's just a computer. It's just a computer program, but it's a computer program that's shared by tens of thousands of computers at the same time. And each of them gets this record. Each of them verifies this record. So it's, it's just a brilliant uh, way of doing it. And by doing this, we have thousands of mining companies. These are the people who, who, who decided they wanted to process this, these transactions and they get a little a reward for it and they can charge a little bit for, um, for their service to each, to each user. But what happens is you get thousands of people trying to be the one that processes the next block because they get money for doing that. They get a reward if they're the guy who who gets the next block done. So since there are tens of thousands of people trying to do this, we don't know which one's gonna be next, but we do know whatever they produce will be absolutely mathematically verifiable and permanently recorded. And so we have trust in every single transaction but there is no trusted party that we have to rely upon that has any control, that is any sort of gatekeeper. Any one of thousands of, of random computers scattered all over the world can get the next block and no one knows who it's gonna be. That's how we can get trust without having to trust any specific person. It's genius in my opinion. Now let's just go through a few real Simple details. Go to the next slide. Um, This is just a basic wallet. It's the Electrum wallet. I like it. I recommend it. It's really easy. It's a trivial little piece of software. You load it on your system. And you see here you've got you've got four choices uh, and then the help menu. So it's really, really easy to use, really, really effective and quite good for backing up and saving your keys and things like that. Uh, I recommend this. There are others. Others are, are just as good or better. Um, but this one's, I think, a good place to start. Let's go next. Um, just so you've seen it once, you, know, you go to electrum.org, you download it, you create the standard wallet. Um, I won't go through the other details. Uh, the electrum website will take you through them by itself. And any other good wallet will do the same thing it's really really easy to use um next these are exchangers there are i don't know how many exchangers all over the world lots of different kinds uh many of them are really good uh all all the bigger ones are fine so far as i know coinbase we'll take a look at them in a minute is now listed on the american stock exchange um so they're they're quality operations you don't really have to worry about them and if you want to buy or sell you can buy or sell through them the way i really recommend for people to buy and sell is to use whatever whatever your business is start selling and taking bitcoin for payment if you're an engineer do a job for somebody who will pay you in bitcoin instead of paying you in dollars and just take it in your Electrum wallet. You'll send them an address and you'll copy and paste. That's how easy it is. You'll copy and paste and they'll send you so much Bitcoin. Um, If you want to sell your riding lawnmower to your neighbor, take Bitcoin for it. There are lots of people who will be glad to buy and sell with Bitcoin. Um, So that's really the best way to do this. Go to a Bitcoin meetup. There are Bitcoin meetups all over the planet and you will find people there who are excited and who will be thrilled to help you set up your wallet and that will be thrilled to explain things to you um i really highly recommend that uh but if you want to just sell online uh with a place that's a lot like charles schwab let's go to the next slide and you'll see coinbase uh coinbase is uh a big american exchanger and it's essentially like a charles schwab account um it works very very easily uh it it just takes you loading a few things uh pardon me some something's interrupting me for a moment there um it requires you to set up an account they're going to want to see your driver's license because they, they have to answer to the u.s government uh and just set it up and buy and sell whatever you want to and from your bank account, easy peasy. It works really well. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, The most common mistakes. Now, these are things that you should just keep in the back of your mind. And I presume that these slides may be available to you as well. The big mistakes are losing your password or passphrase, same thing. Um, Obviously, the password you want to write down and keep in a safe place. Don't make that mistake. The next thing is don't trust anybody with your keys. You're in your wallet. You will have your Bitcoin keys. That is your actual money. Don't give them to anybody. They're your keys. And if they're and if your Bitcoin is not protected by your keys, you're trusting someone else, even if you use Coinbase which again is a fine company. I I don't know anything bad about them. Um, Coinbase is a fine company with a good reputation, but when you have your Bitcoin on Coinbase, it's protected by their keys, not yours. So if you're going to sell by uh, by an exchange, I suggest you transfer your Bitcoin to the exchange and then sell it and then be done. Or if you're gonna buy Bitcoin on an exchange, Send them your money, buy your coins, and then when you're done, transfer them to your personal wallet with keys that you control and you back up. So those are the first two points. Uh, third mistake is picking you know, a password that's you know, 1234. Um, it very rarely happens, but it, it can if you have an open wallet uh, sitting on your computer at all times, it is possible for somebody to to uh, get in and to and to crack your silly password. Uh, rare, but you know, don't fall for it. Um, number four, not backing up. Uh, you can back up the keys and or you can secure the seed. I won't explain all of that. Any good wallet you get will explain exactly what it is, and it's really easy to do so you can make your own way through that or if you're really having trouble go to a bitcoin meetup you'll find five people who are happy to help you um number five this is the big one right now which is panicking about price and scary stories because they lord in the last few weeks uh, we've had the chinese government three times the federal reserve uh the treasury uh the bank of england uh, google uh Several others all trying the pulp, trying to scare people away from Bitcoin. Don't listen to it. It's just fear. Um, The the last problem is getting ahead of yourself. Um, That is jumping into things you don't understand. Uh, Get started on Bitcoin. Understand it. Figure out what it is you're dealing with it. Dealing with. Get comfortable with it. And then if you want to move into the other coins, sure, go right ahead. Some of them are fascinating. Some of them have great use cases. Some of them do things that Bitcoin can't, important things that Bitcoin can't. So there's a lot of value in the better alternative currencies. But understand what you're doing. Don't get ahead of yourself and, and, and jump into some story. Understand what you're doing. Bitcoin's the place to do that. Then move on. All right, let's go to the next. Just so you've seen it once, this is a hardware wallet. I particularly like this one, but there are others that are just fine. Um, And this is a little piece of equipment that you don't connect to the internet unless you want to use it. So you're keeping your keys offline where they can't be touched. You can put them in a safe. You can do whatever you want with them. And just pull them out every, however, whenever you really want to s- spend your stash. Uh, otherwise, it's offline; no one can touch it. All right. Next, um, securing your seed. I won't go through all this because we'll run out of time. Um, you have the slide if you need it, but just put it in some safe place. A safe is a great idea. Uh, safe deposit boxes if you're not worried about uh, (laughs) the states seizing them next please okay now let's talk about the internet because i can't let you go without going through some of this you need to understand this everyone does the internet is a surveillance system it is the one place you can be absolutely certain that everything you say can and really will be used against you everything you do on the internet is sucked up it's what they do in other words how does facebook or google how do they provide free services and pay all of their engineers and pay all of their data centers you cannot do that for free it's a scam they're getting your data which is worth a hell of a lot of money to them and selling it Now, you you may think that, oh, that's no problem to me. It is a problem to you um, because they are really, really able these days to use it. And they do use it against you on a daily basis. I know this is hard for people to take. And I'm almost ready to apologize, but I really won't because you need to understand this. This is a big deal. So let's go to the next one. These are all of the people that signed on to the NSA and when they did, uh, Microsoft first, and then finally Apple in 2012 after Steve Jobs died. Um, But all of these are giving access to their systems, to the NSA uh, and to whoever the NSA wants to give it. And by the way, they're sharing things between each other profligately. I mean, you go on Facebook or on Google and and Gmail, and you send an email to your friend talking about you want to buy some ski boots, and immediately you're starting to get stuff on Facebook about ski resorts. Okay, It's one big interconnected um, cluster of abuse. Uh, Let's go to the next one. Julian Assange wrote a book that you all should read. It's called When Google Met WikiLeaks and uh, I really recommend that you get it because Google is a monster and you should have, in my opinion, nothing to do with them at all, ever. They're monstrous, what they do with their data. Um, Read the Assange book. I won't go through it all. Next slide. This is um, something I wrote a few years back. Google put somehow somebody got a leaked Google video, and it was called the Selfish Ledger, which is a, a nasty little title. It, it's uh, supposed to make people feel like they're smart if they if they if they uh, quote it. Uh, I won't go through the details. You can find it at freemanceperspective.com. Just do a search Google Google's mendacity. But they were trying to put together systems to force people to do things and to abuse you deeply and profoundly and for life and to turn you into an object they control. And this is three years ago. They're working on this stuff right now. They have acres upon acres upon acres of computers, and it used to be that we we would say you can't drink from a fire hose, but that's not true anymore. They have a special type of data processing called big data that loves drinking from the fire hoses. May I have another place? Three fire hoses would be great. So this is what's going on. Let's look at the next one. This is a Facebook. They ran an experiment in February of 12, where they saw if they had their computers. you need to remember this is not people doing these things it's computers doing them it's very, very cheap to do. So they tweaked their machines so that by altering headlines of news stories, they could change their users mood. They tried it out at 680 some thousand people and it worked and not only did it change the mood of those 600,000 people it changed the mood of their friends. This was nine years ago, better than nine years ago. So what are they doing now? And again, I'm really sorry to lay this on you, but somebody needs to. Now, next one, let's go to a practical application. The IRS gets data from the NSA, and that's one of the ways it goes after people. Now, this is completely immoral it's actually illegal. And well, if law means anything, they use something called parallel construction, you can look it up. What they do is the NSA tells them, Oh, look at this guy, he's doing x, y, z. And now they know who it is. And they can construct an alternate path of arriving at that data. So the NSA gives them a conclusion. Here's Joe, here's Joe Jones, you can nail him for tax fraud because he has an account over here and he's doing this over there and you can nail this guy. Well, then the IRS goes out and reconstructs the trail and they can go to the court and say, hey, look, here's how we got there. Here's how we got all the information. This is here. This is what John Jones did. We want him, whatever, We want all of his money or put him in jail, whatever it is. So this is going on all the time there was a manual on it It got leaked and this is five eight nine years ago they had manuals on how to do this this is what i'm saying this is really dangerous stuff anytime you send information unprotected over the internet well they've got it they've got it all and they can process it all and they can search it all in almost real time and they know how you think uh, again i'm i'm sorry to lay it on you but that's the way it is now let's go to the next slide how to use bitcoin privately this i'll go through this very briefly you don't you don't uh, you don't need to know this to get started but whenever you enter into a transaction with a new person generate a new address for them that's that 31 character long uh alphanumeric string. You can generate a new one in two, three seconds. So generate a new one, then exchange your addresses privately. You can do this with a lot of, with a lot of cell phones, with the QR code, use it in an encrypted email, um, but exchange your addresses privately, then no one knows who's who, and your transactions are private. Encrypt things, hide your IP address. I won't go through the details, but you need a professional level VPN, not a free VPN or a super cheap VPN. Get a professional system. Um, All right, or if you don't do all these things, there are Bitcoin mixers. Samurai Wallet is one, Wasabi is another, and there are privacy coins like Monero and Zcash and Pirate Chain. Uh, You can go from Bitcoin to a privacy coin, do your private transaction, then go back to Bitcoin. All of these things are doable. Um, I just don't want to overload you with them. First, I want you just to understand what this stuff is. Now let's continue with practical subjects. Next slide. For US citizens, this is what you pay in capital gains for 2021. So I want you to understand if you hold your Bitcoin for a year or more, and then you want to begin selling it for whatever reason, I really recommend that you just hold it for the long term. You know, Put it away and come back in a year and see how it's doing. Uh, but if you want to sell for some reason, if you're married filing jointly, you can sell up to $80,800 per year and pay zero tax. That's a pretty sw- sweet deal. If you're single, you can pay up to 40,000. You can, uh, pardon me, you can sell up to 40,000 every year and not pay any tax ask your accountant he should tell you the same thing because i took this right from the irs information but check with your accountant but this is the way it works so we have a really sweet deal here with bitcoin if the pro if your number goes up which it almost which it generally does outside of the fear storms then if you want to sell some just sell and sell up to forty dollars or $80,000 a year and you don't have to pay taxes on it. Nice deal. All right, let's go to the next. Let's look, here are some investment sort of thoughts. Uh, keep these in mind, uh, get the slides uh, and keep them. Here's what you should remember. Don't look for the next Bitcoin. Don't You know, a lot of people feel like, well, I missed out on the first time. I want to get in. What's the one that's going to be the next Bitcoin? Please don't, um, just get some Bitcoin. And if there's some other coin that you really love and you really think is wonderful, and if you understand it, fine, no problem. But don't, don't get in the emotional thing that I'm going to get back even with the guys who were in it first, because just forget it, let it be what it is get some bitcoin if there's something else you really believe in get that and move on don't don't get too greedy right from the get-go uh, nobody knew what bitcoin was going to be in the beginning i didn't even pay attention to it for a long time i was busy running crypto hippie. um nobody knew what this thing was going to be, going to become uh so don't look for the next one okay number two go to bitcoin meetups again you will find really good people at these places who are will be so happy to welcome you in and to and to answer your questions say look i'm new i have not i don't know about this you know can you explain it ah sure you know you, you may be surrounded by people wanting to wanting to uh explain things to you uh number three secure your seats we we talked about that just briefly it just means saving a copy uh, of uh, your seed which is a group of words that controls your keys, uh, It's a real good backup system so that if, God forbid, your house burns down and your computer gets run over by a truck, you still got your money. So do pay attention to that. Um, now here are some interesting coins that I will tell you about. Uh, I do it hesitantly because I want you, if you're new, to to really understand what you're doing. But here's some very nice, interesting coins. For privacy, Monero, and Pirate Chain. You can also look at Zcash. Uh, They're really good um, currencies for for privacy. Better than Bitcoin at privacy. The coolest rabbit holes uh, are Decred and Ave, uh, as in Ave Maria. Uh, Really interesting things to look into and crawl down. don't overwhelm yourself, understand Bitcoin first, but if you're ready for it, you'll you'll find um, endless things of interest in these places. Uh, for very small Bitcoin transactions, if you wanna buy a cup of coffee, uh, right now it doesn't make sense to use Bitcoin as for, to buy a cup of coffee. The transaction fees are higher than they were at the beginning and it's not worth it. You may have to pay 10, $20 to get the transaction through uh, that's nothing if you're sending a million dollars, but if you're buying a cup of coffee, it's too much. So use the lightning network. It's coming out now. It works really well. People are, are installing it all over. Uh, use it. Now, there are auxiliary currencies that are also really good for buying a cup of coffee. Litecoin is a good one. Bitcoin cash is another good one. There are p- probably five or 10 others that are fine for everyday use. Um, You'll use Bitcoin cash and you'll buy a cup of coffee and you'll spend a few cents for the transfer. And it it works really, really well. So if to use these in real life in small commerce, those are the kinds of things you want. Don't try to do, don't try to buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin. Sure, you can do it, but it's not worth doing. Um, Next, there are smart contracts that is self executing contracts. Again, you don't have to trust anybody, you don't have to get anybody to push it through for you. It does it by itself. I want to bet you who's going to win the baseball game tomorrow, we set it up, the system gets uh, the results from ESPN or whatever, and pays out the money all automatically. And of course, it gets much more complicated from there. Ethereum is the big one of this, and EOS is another that I highly recommend. You should know that there are decentralized exchanges, uh, BISC, Huddle, and to some extent, LocalBitcoins.com. You can exchange coins with other people, cryptographically secure, without ever knowing who the other person is and without any permanent record of it. Um, so I recommend them. And then there are mixers, and I already mentioned those, Samurai and Wasabi. So these are things that just keep written down somewhere. Um, But you should remember these if you're going to get into this. Next, what's happening over the last year is that Wall Street has discovered that Bitcoin is the best store of value ever created. It's also the best collateral ever created. And so people who are concerned about a store of value are tending to put their money into Bitcoin. Ray Dalio, the, the uh, well, by some people's estimation, one of the greatest investors of all time, yesterday was quoted as saying, I'd rather have Bitcoin than a bond. Um, so what we have is an ocean of value flowing into a very fixed receptacle. Uh, and so the price is tending to go up. Governments are really not directly fighting it. Again, they're using fear. They're trying to scare people away from it. What they want, the U.S. government government in particular wants to tax it. Uh, that's what they want. Um, people want to fence it in so it can't spread too far, but they're not doing very well. The best they've got is fear. So when somebody new gets into Bitcoin because, oh, the number's going up, I want to get involved, well, they get in, they're excited, and then all of a sudden, CNN and NS and CNBC and everybody else are running stories that Bitcoin is doomed, it's a disaster, everything's going to happen wrong, be afraid, run away, and then they run away, <laughs> and then they come back and realize, oh, I got scammed by by the news sources, and then if they get back in, they get back in much better, and then they can take the next fear storm much better. What we're looking at is. Is in Bitcoin is a currency that survived for 12 years under deeply hostile circumstances, and this thing's not going away. Um, we have a legacy system that's in trouble, and this is the one of the great places to go. The other, of course, is gold. Uh, but Bitcoin is actually has less inflation than gold, and it's much much easier in it to transfer, especially someplace like overseas, uh, than you can gold. So nothing wrong with gold, but uh, Bitcoin's in a lot of ways better. Now let's just close it up here. Um, And from my perspective, go to the next slide. And this is me speaking as as a sort of philosopher, I guess. The crypto economy is a new societal model forming beneath the old. On the right-hand side, you see the usual model. This is the model of government. This is the model of big corporations. This is the model of all sorts of things where you have the hierarchy, the big guy on top and handing handing orders down and uh, information going up and down through the hierarchy. It's a really, really inefficient and outmoded model. On the left is the model of, well, a happy family. It's the model of your local Little League. It's the model of people cooperating as equals. And so what that is on the left, we call it decentralization. And it's a better model for human thriving. And Bitcoin is the first large scale proof that this can work and that it is possible for us to step into a decentralized world order. We go to the last slide. And I want you to understand that the world of Bitcoin unlike the world of high finance and government edict and so on is comprehensible. It's new, it's different. Sometimes it takes a little while to really wrap your head around it. But once you do, the world starts to make sense. When a Bitcoin economy is a very sensible economy, you can understand every part. And this is a quote from a, a young Bitcoiner who says Bitcoin is the only real thing that I've ever done in my life. It's the only thing I've done where I know why I'm doing it. This is what Bitcoin gives to people. And this is truly the reason that it won't be stopped. There are hundreds of thousands of people, young and old, but probably majority young, who feel precisely this way about it. And they're immensely motivated. And they are moving forward regardless of who says what on TV. So I'd like you to remember that. And I think we're done. Thank you very much. And if we have time for questions, guys, I'll be glad to take them. You're going to have to uh, help me with them because I can't see them right here on my machine, but I'll be glad to answer.
0: Hi there. Paul, we have a couple of questions, but we have time to answer about two of them. Um, One of the questions is how useful is a VPN and why is Crypto Hippie better?
1: Oh, well, uh, a good VPN protects you from all the nasty things that I said before, outside of when you're logged into Google or Facebook. Um, And Crypto Hippie is better because it's, I'll give you the techie reasons. Um, One is it's uh, multiple hop. Uh, We have our own key infrastructure. Uh, we do all sorts of things like ephemeral keys and uh we have uh it's a suite of companies so there's no one office you can break down the door and get all the information and so on but you need a professional level vpn please 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 don't ever use the free vpn please please don't use a cheap cheap vpn because it's worse than nothing okay okay and another question is what would be one of those good vpns that you would recommend I'm sorry, but I really don't know any any outside of Crypto Hippie. There was one that was in Switzerland. I don't remember the name. It wasn't Proton, uh, it was another one that was using um, double, double hops. Um, oh, there's one other. My goodness, I should know the name. Kevin's going to kill me for not saying it. Uh, but um, I really don't, you know, you've got to get two hops you've got to have their own key infrastructure. Uh, And you have to have people that are serious about privacy. Uh, And I really don't have a lot of recommendations. There's one other, I'll get you the name. Um, uh, Gosh, I can't believe I'm not remembering, but I'll get it to you. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Paul, for your presentation today. And for all of the
0: other questions that are coming on screen, we will reach out back to you with those answers um for the folks that are still logged in please tune in to the next
1: call that would that is going to start in just a bit thank you once again paul my pleasure